At Jiffy Lube, it's our job to keep you moving. With a full range of services from oil changes and tire rotations to filters, wipers, and more, we've got what your car needs right when you need it. So you're ready for whatever's next. Putting you in the driver's seat of car care? That's a job for Jiffy. Are you feeling down, anxious, not yourself? Sometimes medication can help. Having to find a provider, wait for an appointment, then deal with a huge bill can make things worse. Do better with HERS. We'll connect you with a licensed psychiatry provider for an online evaluation. If medication's prescribed, HERS ships directly to your door. Affordable care, no insurance required. Get started with a free consultation at forhers.com. That's F-O-R-H-E-R-S.com. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. I'm Rob McConnell, and welcome to the X-Zone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Today on the X-Zone, do vampires really exist? Do vampires really exist? In creating Dracula, Irish author Bram Stoker, who lived from 1847 to 1912, may have drawn on stories he heard as a child about the cholera epidemic that hit London and Paris in 1849. As in times of plague, there were many cases of hasty burial of sick bodies which were not really dead but in a deep sleeper coma. Stoker's idea about vampires could have been fueled by reports of the so-called dead tapping on their coffins, turning in their graves, or showing other signs of life. The Exxon radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. I was in my early 40s With a lot of life before me When a moment came that stopped me on a dime I spent most of the next days Looking at the x-rays and Talking about the options And talking about sweet time I asked him when it sank in this might really be the real end How's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what you do? And he said I went skydiving I went Rocky Mountain climbing I went 2.7 seconds On a full name from And I And he said, someday I hope 
Welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. My guest of this segment is going to be Mark Lynch, and Mark's going to be joining me in a few minutes. But I'd just like to um, remind everyone that next Wednesday night, Ellen from Premier Psychics and a special guest psychic will be with her, and uh, we'll be doing psychic readings for two hours for all you who give us a call here at our studios at one 528 8255. And isn't it incredible how great it feels when you connect with a psychic who authentically cares and has talent? Well, at Premier Psychics, that is, that's exactly what you'll find. Great talent, great people. And visit them today at www.premierpsychics.com. That's www.premierpsychics.com. Or call them on their toll-free number at one 803 6593 that's 1-866-803-6593 because they're the real deal all right here's a story that i just had to share with you here's one you don't hear every day the santa clara Cov- uh, convent in southern italy is being shut down after an argument between its last three remaining nuns ended in a full knockdown drag em out brawl uh, the sisters were reportedly upset about their mother superior's uh, authoritarian ways and lunged at her, scratched her face, and threw her to the ground. The archbishop tried to reconcile the nuns, but finally decided that they had clearly lost their religious vocation and asked, uh, and asked the nuns and the Vatican for permission to close the convent. There you go. Just imagine that. Now, one of the nuns has been there since 1963. And another bizarre world record, a Pakistani man broke the world record for ear lifting in Vienna after he lifted almost 137 pounds from a cord attached to his right ear. Zaffer Gills earned him, uh, his feet earned him a place in the famed Guinness Book. Now, uh, he had to use a special grip to protect both his ear and temple as he lifted the weight for seven seconds, about four inches off the ground. He trains every day, but insists that he has never had any hearing problems due to his peculiar hobby. My question is, why in the name of heaven would anyone want to do that in the first place? Ah, what do I know? I talk to people about UFOs, ghosts things that go bump in the night. To me, that makes more sense than lifting 137 pounds with one ear. When we come back from this commercial break in two minutes, Mark Lynch will be joining me. We're talking about his new book entitled Walk With Me. My name's Rob McConnell. This is The X on a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Live and around the world, right here on the Talk Star Radio Network and our fine family of broadcast affiliates throughout the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Exonation that this week on Thursday, 
well, I guess it's uh, Thursday now, is the 50th anniversary of the Sputnik being launched into orbit, the opening of the Cold War surveillance and satellite surveillance. Fifty years ago, my gosh, I remember that well. I'm showing my age, right? Yeah. My guest of this uh, segment of the show is Mark Lynch, and uh, Mark is the author of Walk With Me. Now, death is not a topic that we like to discuss. Perhaps that's because we don't know what happens once our bodies give out. We do know when a loved one dies, we feel as though our hearts are breaking. If we only knew for sure what happens, we might not be so devastated when someone we love passes away. So the big question remains, is there an afterlife? It's always been a topic of great debate between those who have faith in God and those who do not. While many polls show that a majority of Americans believe our souls don't die when our time ends on earth, no one can fully explain what happens. Mark Lynch, our guest this hour, a former teacher and author of the new book, Walk With Me, believes he has the answer. Mark suffered a medical crisis and was clinically dead before the doctors revived him. He says he's seen a glimpse of what lies beyond our earthly existence. And Mark Lynch, welcome to the X-Zone. How are you doing, Mark? Thank you for having me on as your guest. Well, listen, thanks very much for joining us. And um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the medical crisis that you had and what was the glimpse that you were able to see of what happens when we die? Basically, what had happened is back in 1979, I was, um, I was involved in a car accident where a gentleman... Uh, Mark, you're going to have to speak up. I'm having a bit of a problem hearing you, my friend. I had a gentleman hit me in a uh, rear-end collision mm -hmm. and I dislocated my neck in four places and at the time the uh, doctor said the, uh, to try to fix that problem uh, I wouldn't have much of a chance if they tried to fuse my neck and uh, I'd just have to adjust to it. But my cervical spine uh, from C2 down to C6 uh, was dislocated in four places and I had to live with it for about 25 years and they told me after a period in time that I would get arthritis and bone spurs in the area and um, it did happen about three years ago uh, I had to go in because I was almost uh, fully paralyzed they didn't give me much uh, time to live and they said they had to basically go in and um, remove the vertebrae and try to do the repair on my neck and that's quite a delicate operation it was. It was the operation itself took 12 hours. My and, Lord. Um, it was successful. Next day, uh, felt great. I was, uh, instead of being in pain for 25 years, I was finally out of pain. And uh, I could function. And uh, the uh, doctors were very pleased. Uh, sent me home after three days to recover at home. And mm -hmm. it was uh, at home that I ran into a little problem. My, uh, my throat was... Uh, getting very very sore and um, it was it was closing and uh, I had this rash where they had taken a uh, piece of bone out of my my hip mm -hmm. to fuse my neck uh, back together again uh, and over which they had placed a titanium plate and um, I had a hundred and four temperature my wife was very concerned she called the hospital they they told me to rush rush me rush me in mm -hmm. Uh, when um, I got there, um, I uh, I was prepared for uh, surgery, and I had uh, I had had a 
milkshake earlier, so they couldn't operate right away because they were afraid that uh, I wouldn't be able to take the anesthesia, so they waited for a little while. And I noticed the um, when they, uh, one of the doctors who was going to operate came in to uh, speak to me that um, all I could think of was Doogie Howser because they, they, the doctors seem to be uh, younger and younger <laughs> the more you uh, go along in years, I That's guess. That's right. And um, I had made the uh, crack to the guy that uh, basically did his mother know he was skipping school to come in here and play doctor. <laughs> and he didn't appreciate it. He turned his back on me. And um, I went to say something else, <laughs> and the next thing I know, uh, my throat had closed completely. Oh, God. And the uh, first thing you notice is when you suffocate to death, it's uh, extremely painful. Um, your whole body screams as if it's being electrocuted. And uh, that lasts for a little while. Then the next thing I know, I'm floating on the ceiling. And um, I thought that was really kind of weird. And um, this gentleman, this doctor, still hadn't turned around to look at me. And noticed that uh, I wasn't breathing. So I tried to get his attention, but when I went to touch him, my hand went through him. And um, I saw my body in the chair, and I saw him. And uh, he eventually did turn around, and I watched um, a, a bunch of doctors frantically trying everything under the sun. Uh, I watched everything that they did to me, and it was kind of gruesome uh, to try to get me uh, breathing again. Uh, and to get me stable. Um, it finally came to a point where uh, a doctor finally had to come in because they had made uh, about uh, a dozen attempts to um, slice in a um, some kind of a trach tube, but uh, they were having problems because of the titanium plate that was in my neck and the scar tissue. And uh, they tried tubes up my nose. They tried uh, to get out of my throat with the thing that you might see on a medical uh, TV program, uh, but nothing was working. Um, I saw it on a CSI program that they, is the threes. You, you can live, uh, you, you can't live more than three days without water, uh, three weeks without food, and uh, three minutes without oxygen. Uh, and uh, I was way past the three-minute mark. Um, the next thing I noticed is um, when the doctor had come in, uh, with the drill to drill a hole through my throat, uh, I had passed on into another area. Um, I can only describe it as a, a black void. Um, it was a very um, scary, scary place. And um, there were two beings in this void. Uh, one being was above me, and uh, it was more like a giant head. And there was another being to the right of me, which... Um, was the most grotesque thing I have ever seen. I only looked at it through the corner of my eye, um, and the same with the being above me. Um, I felt like I was a little child. I was very afraid. I was very cold and very alone. I did not uh, look up or look to my right at either of the beings, and um, they seemed to be communicating uh, some way back and forth, and I felt I was the subject of their... Um, conversation or whatever they were trying to figure out mm -hmm. um, and um, basically uh, I didn't realize but on the other side and I was told later that I was uh, in a coma for three days <clears throat> and um, to me I was in this, this other place which I would only describe as a, a what I would believe would be the valley of the shadow of death and it was being determined whether I was going to 
live, uh, just uh, continue on. Um, one thing that I do want to comment is that um, when you're out of your body, you notice a lot of different things, but um, it, it does feel really nice to be out of your body. You don't realize how much your body weighs you down. You are all intact. You do have your memories, and you can think and reason. Um, when I, I, I did come to, I was, I was in the... And the serious intensive care, uh, the, the most of the time, the people that are placed in this in this unit don't come back. Um, there was a gentleman on one side of me and a, a, a little girl on the other side. I was told, and they both passed on. Um, they didn't give my wife much hope. Uh, they said that um, I had, besides my problem with my neck, I also uh, had been without oxygen. Depending on which uh, doctor and nurse was correct, it went anywhere from uh, eight minutes to 20 minutes, and each one had a different story. Uh, but it was way past the three-minute mark. Um, they still, it, I had pneumonia. I had taken a seizure, and I had what uh, they called Streptococcus A, or uh, which is commonly known as the flesh-eating disease. And I had gotten it at the hip site and had spread, spread through my bones. The doctors didn't give my wife much hope that I would uh, be coming back, and um, they were thinking more on the lines of harvesting organs. Um, the uh, pastor of my church had come in with the deacons and they uh, gave me the oil ritual, um, and uh, my wife wouldn't you know, give up. And finally, the doctor said, you know, even if he, if he does come back, there's a good chance that, you know, he's probably going to be brain dead. And she said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, he, he's not going to be able to, he's not going to be able to think or reason or anything like that. Oh, you mean he's lost his mind? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, he, the doctor said, I'm not saying it like that. And my wife says, well, that's not a problem. He lost his mind years ago, and uh, <laughs> you can't lose it twice. He says he is coming back. So she was determined. And uh, three days later, I sat up at the amazement of the doctors and so forth. And I had all kinds of uh, tubes and everything uh, coming out of me. And uh, I had uh, this big pipe in the middle of my throat. And um, I was motioning. I couldn't talk. And I was motioning for something to write on. And um, they were all amazed. They, they would look at me like I was a freak or like I was uh, Lazarus being risen from the dead. Um, and it was right after that that I asked them if I could get off this uh, bed and get out of there. And they were amazed at that. They said nobody's ever walked out of this unit on their own steam. But uh, they did allow me to, uh, with a little assistance, to walk out of there, and they put me in a room for a couple of weeks uh, to try to recover um, I had to have a, a couple of pick lines uh, placed in my arm, um, one to feed me and one to give me this uh, medicine called vancomycin, mm -hmm. which is like the nuclear bomb of, uh, of penicillins uh, to try to, eat, uh, to kill that flesh-eating disease. They had to also go in after they had stabilized me and uh, reopen the uh, hip wound to uh, clean out most of the uh, dead tissue from this disease. Um, and it was about two weeks later, uh, going on three weeks later, actually, when they, uh, they, the doctors and nurses told me that uh, it was about time that uh, they were going to have to take the tube out and put in a regular plate. 
Mark, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Mark Lynch is our special guest. He's the author of Walk With Me. What a story. Well, Mark, I don't... You know, I'm glad you're back, and I'm glad that you're sharing your story with us tonight. And this is truly a miraculous story, and there's more to come, Exo Nation. Mark and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue right here on Talkstar. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. At first I was afraid, I was petrified, kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so many nights thinking how oh, you did me wrong. And I grew strong. And I learned how to get along. And so you're back from my space. I just walked in to find you here with that, that look upon your face. I should have changed that stupid lock. I should have made you leave your key. If I'd known for just one second, you'd be back to bother me. Oh, now go. Walk out the door. Just come around now. You're not Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Mark Lynch is our special guest. He's the author of Walk With Me, and his website is www.walkwithmebook.com. 1-877-528-8255 is our toll-free number. And um, life does not end when you die, says Mark Lynch. Only your body dies. You do not. And all of your memories remain with you. If you lived a life that was self-serving, what awaits you is something you are not going to like, and you keep it for an eternity with no escape. If you live a life here on earth with an inner nature that strives to serve others, you are close to receiving an eternity of bliss. Uh, Mark, when you uh, earlier you said that when you went to the uh, shadow of the valley, you saw through the corner of your eyes these two entities and I was wondering if if you've been able to have enough time to reflect what or who these entities were and why why you were allowed to come back uh, the entity that was above me um, it was like a, a, a giant head mm-hmm. I can only I can only reason that that was God the entity to my right, I don't know if it was the angel of death or Satan or what it was. I just know it was a hideous creature. And um, they had obviously, the uh, decision was made that uh, I was to be uh, sent back or I was to be, you know, let live. And I found out a few weeks later a little more of why that decision was made. Please share that with us. What had happened is, um, roughly, uh, I couldn't take any fluids by mouth mm-hmm. for a period of two weeks. And they had put in a, a double pick line. Uh, we won't describe the double pick line. It's kind of gory. But um, basically, uh, I was being fed uh, something like evaporated milk and uh, in one of them. And the other one um, basically uh, went into my stomach and... Uh, 
and it was feeding me that, and the other one was basically feeding me the uh, antibiotic uh, called vancomycin. Um, it came to a point after a few weeks that the doctors and nurses came in, told me that they would have to uh, remove the pipe in my throat and replace it by with a regular trach. And uh, the pipe was being held in place by a balloon, which also kept my uh, neck open. They would have to deflate the balloon and pull out the pipe and get the trach in all at the same time. And sometimes this doesn't go as smoothly as they plan. And uh, with my luck, it didn't. Oh, God. My wife was uh, holding me at the time uh, when they did it. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they uh, deflated the balloon and pulled out the pipe, my throat closed completely. Again, I got to suffocate to death, and uh, again, I cannot uh, begin to tell you how painful it is. Um, Then you go into a state of unconsciousness. Then what happens is you leave your body, and this time as I floated, I went past the ceiling. And as I was going past the ceiling, I noticed that when you reach a certain plane or a certain level, um, all the pain... Uh, disappears completely. Um, I've had uh, kidney stones in the past, and uh, I'm someone from the Woodstock generation, and then, uh, contrary to Mr. Clinton, I have inhaled and inhaled deeply more than once. <laughs> um, and I've experienced all these uh, type of things, but this mm-hmm. was nothing like it. Um, this was, uh, it, it was so indescribable, it was so fantastic. You're uh, given new emotions, emotions that you don't have here uh, on Earth. They're wonderful. They're beyond wonderful. And uh, I know, like, people have said that they've they've seen a light and they go through a tunnel. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the tunnel. All I know is that you can't miss the light. And you do head straight for the light. You do notice that, uh, again, you have all your memories and you uh, can think and, and reason and so forth. And you do travel at a very rapid, uh, rapid speed. Um, the light was very, very, very bright. And as I traveled towards the light, um, it seemed to split. There was a, a vertical light uh, that was probably about the size of a, of a human. And then there was a horizontal light that uh, almost resembled, uh, you know, like you'd see a seashore. It was just a, a large, uh, massive light that just seemed to go on. Uh, it, the light was very, very bright. Both of them were. The one that was vertical uh, around it was um, uh, all different colors were, were flashing off of it. And the one that was horizontal uh, had like a golden glow around it and going through it. And um, it was very beautiful. And as I got closer... Uh, you could see that the vertical one was a being and surrounding this being uh, completely covering uh, the being was uh, it was like a rainbow of colors um, it was very difficult to see this being because the, the being uh, himself was so white and so mm-hmm. bright that it wasn't something you could stare at on the other hand the horizontal uh the horizontal light was, uh, as I got closer, I found and saw people. And you could clearly make them all out. Um, they were so white, they were almost transparent. Around each one of them would appear to be uh, like a golden uh, golden garland. But it wasn't garland. It was more like, you know, an electrical thing. 
and it covered their whole body. And reflecting back, I mean, I, I know I've seen pictures of halos on that, that cover people's head, but uh, I could tell you these halos covered their whole body. And um, as far as the, the being uh, that was to my left, I did try to look at him. Um, but as soon as you turn to look at him, he's so bright that you have to turn away and you, you actually go down. And um, I learned later, uh, not that much later, that that was uh, actually Jesus. Wow. And uh, he is not dead. Uh, even if they put him on the cross, he is very much alive. And the people all had their backs to me. I didn't recognize anybody that I knew. Um, and I and I pondered why they all had their backs towards me, and they were looking off into this distance to this beautiful, beautiful golden light, and it was like they were anticipating something was going to happen. And then the next thing I know, you know, and I'm experiencing this, and I'm experiencing these wonderful feelings, emotion. I mean, it's beyond bliss. I, it, it is so wonderful. And um, Jesus... And I know it was him. He actually called me by name. And um, I, I told him how wonderful this was, and I thanked him for being there and, and, and everything. I was so excited. And as he, as he was, was next to me, the rainbow around him, those colors, actually came off of him in waves, and each one of the colors was alive with emotion. And as it, as it came off of him, it penetrated me, and I was filled with, you know, these emotions from these colors. And, you know, it's like, oh, wow, this is, you know, and it was terrific. It was just wonderful. And then he, he called me, and he said that um, uh, I was only allowed, he called me by name. He said, Mark, um, you're only being allowed a glimpse. You have to go back because you're not finished. I need you to finish what what." I have you to do. And I begged and I pleaded. I said, please, don't send me back, please. I, I just want to remain here. In fact, I think I even said, I'd like to just stay here and pate, Lord. Please let me pate. And he said, um, uh, no, I need you to go finish. And you can't argue with God and win. Next thing I know, I felt myself being pulled back down through this um, void or whatever it was, the space, back into my body. When you go back into your body, it hurts like hell. Um, and I got to be waking up by the doctors and uh, my wife screaming and hollering and, and pounding on my chest and doing all the wonderful things they do to try to revive someone. My wife was screaming something to the effect that if I die, you son of a something or else, mm -hmm. I'm going to bring you back myself and kill you. So don't you die, honey. Don't you die. <laughs> The nurses were more complaining that they didn't want me to die on their watch because they didn't want to do the paperwork. Uh, as I came back, I started struggling with them, asking for the chalkboard, and I kept writing on the chalkboard, uh, DNR, and please, let me die, let me die. And, um, of course, they weren't going to be satisfied with that, and they said, no, he's delusional, and, you know, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm begging them, please. I do not, you know, I, I, I do not want to live. I wrote it down. I Please let me die. And, uh, of course, they didn't, and they had to restrain me. Um, so I finally calmed down because I knew that they weren't going to do anything but uh, make sure that I was brought back. And I waited um, 
so uh, a period when they had all left that later on that night, I knew that um, I wanted to get back to uh, that paradise thing. And I don't believe it was heaven. I believe that the people who were actually looking at what is known as heaven, that was that golden light, and where the people were and where I was was actually what uh, they speak of in the Bible or what Jesus spoke of as paradise. It's sort of like a, uh, oh, if you go to a, a fancy wedding, it's like a reception area where you uh, have drinks and socialize and that kind of thing. And, you know, it's a, it's a nice place, but the main function hall uh, where the wedding feast takes place uh, is being prepared while you're out in the reception area. And then uh, eventually the doors are open and you have the great feast and so forth. And I believe this is what the people were actually waiting for. And um, in I, I could stay in paradise uh, forever and I would be perfectly content. It was that beautiful. How has uh, your experience changed your life? Oh, it did. Um, I know now that uh, I'm not afraid to die. Not at all. Okay, I look forward to it. Which scares my wife. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she begged, please, you don't want to. And I said, okay, all right. That night uh, that uh, they brought me back, I waited for everyone to leave. They, of course, sent a psychiatrist in there. And, of course, I had to answer the question just the way she wanted it, or they weren't going to take the restraints off. Mm -hmm. So, no, no, I have no intention of harming myself, and I'll be fine. I waited for them all to leave, and in the middle of the night, I figured the quickest way that I could, I could, it's just, pass on was I knew that one of those pick lines went directly to my heart and if I pulled that pick line out that I would slowly bleed to death now I, I, I wasn't thinking I was in a lot of pain and I wasn't thinking gee if I commit suicide I might not get to that place all I was thinking about was I want to be there I want to go there it was so beautiful so I pulled the thing out and as soon as I did, I figured, you know, the blood had come squirting out directly from my heart. But no, it didn't. It didn't even clot or anything. It just totally healed. I don't even have a scar there. So I, you know, I was totally amazed at this and totally disappointed and very upset at God. And I thought, uh, well, gee, I guess I could probably uh, cut my uh, head off. I'd probably hurt like hell, but I'd probably grow another head because you're not letting me go until I do what you want me to do or... Uh, Whenever my room is ready, then I can come. So uh, I resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to get anywhere with God, and then I would have to do what he wanted me to do. Um, it was um, shortly thereafter they had to put in another pick line, um, and it was more painful this time. They actually had to do it uh, via x-ray, and uh, they sent me home. I was on vancomycin uh, for about seven months. Holy cow. And um, they, it had to be administered uh, intravenously. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to have a regular nurse come in a few times a week and so forth. And you're living on this thing and, you know, this machine. And every time a buzzer went off, you'd have a heart attack wondering if, you know, this is it. You know, and uh, the thing stops. And if that stops, you're gone. So it was kind of a hairy situation. But in that period of time, I did what I was told to do. Now, what Basically, was that? what it was was that me, uh, a nobody, uh, an unknown person uh, that probably nobody's ever going to listen to, uh, a kid that grew up in the streets of Boston, 
belonged to a member of a gang, did everything that you could possibly do uh, totally opposite of any uh, holy roly type of person. I was uh, a very self-centered person, a uh, very selfish person, um, and I was involved in just about everything and anything, and you name it, I did it. And uh, I was probably the last person in the world that you would ever expect to be sitting there talking about Jesus or talking about God. So uh, anyway, I uh, was told that he wanted me to write a book. And this is coming from a guy who uh, got mostly C's and D's in English and never really did well in uh, English composition. So I figured that God didn't know what he was talking about and uh, he had the wrong guy for the job. But, uh, but obviously, you were wrong, and he was right, because you have written that book. He was right, exactly. Exactly, because That's the name of the book the is Walk With Me by Mark Lynch. And Mark and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. And I'll also tell you who's on tomorrow night's show. If you'd like to uh, find out more about Mark, order his book, www.walkwithmebook.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. And Mark Lynch and I will be back after this commercial break, right here on Talkstar. Back to the Exxon, everyone. I'd like to take this opportunity of thanking all our guests today. Um, and our guest this hour is Mark Lynch. On tomorrow night's show, we have uh, Diane Pomerantz, Lania Lee, Richard Blackstone, and Cal Korf. Mark, um, what would you like to tell our audience in the next two minutes about your experience and how, how it's changed your life and how reading your book will be able to change their life? my life that I'm not afraid of death. Mm -hmm. Death isn't something to fear. It is something to fear if you're living a self-centered life. Um, I am trying to give people hope. I'm trying to give people encouragement, trying to tell them that this is only a, a temporary thing. This, even if you lived 120 years, you're going to be dead a long, long time. When you compare your life here in, as in, in the backdrop of eternity, your life is a nanosecond. This mm -hmm. is school. What you do here is going to determine where you get to spend your eternity. I know that, you know, a lot of people ask me, how did I know I was an amazing thing? A few days after I had gone through the valley, that doctor I was talking about, I'll call him Duty, came into my, my room, was trying to explain to my wife what had happened and through the operation and so forth. And he was giving her a milk-down version. And I was very upset, and I asked for a chalkboard, and I described to him every single detail of what he did. And he was in shock that I knew everything that, that they were doing to me. He said, that's impossible unless you were where you said you were. 
because there was no way from where I was being operated on that I could see what was going on. So they knew that I was outside my body. And that was one of the things. The other thing was that even this book, to get to where it is, and uh, not just in, in written word, but in audio version, and uh, you know, even being able and allowed to be a guest on a radio show or wherever, um, it, it's just a miracle. And it's all orchestrated by uh, God behind the scenes. What did, what have the members of your church said about your experience? Because I know that you're a very uh, that you attend church, and uh, what have they said? They uh, are they know me very well, mm -hmm. and um, at first they were very upset, but uh, they can't um, they can't just put it in words. They know that I was meant to do what I'm doing, and and they encourage me and support me and. Um, they already understand mm -hmm. that yes, this is what it's all about. Yes, there is life after death, and it's not something that you have to fear. Mark, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight and for sharing your story and for getting the word out to millions and millions of people who buy your book, listen to your audio, and listen to you on radio shows around the world. So take care and thanks for being with us. Bob, thank you very much for even having me as a guest. It's been my pleasure, sir. Okay, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Mark Lynch, www.walkwithmebook.com. Well, that's it for tonight, everyone. I'll be back tomorrow night at 10 o'clock as once again we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. To my producer and good friend Superman down at White Springs, Florida, he keeps us up on those three big satellites in the sky, Galaxy 4R, Telstar 7, and Aglia 2. And around the world on TalkStarRadio.com, streaming audio. To my wife and senior producer and my good friend Keith Friedman at Consolidated Streaming. Guys, thanks for all your help, and honey, I love you. That's for Laura, not for Keith. So until tomorrow night, everyone, keep, keep your faith. Take care of each other, and always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night now.